Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. God has a family, and he calls it his church. It's a massive global community comprised of people of every race, social, economic background, color, and creed. And we are ACF Church, a specific tribe of God's family with a vision to see it be in Alaska as it is in heaven. We are not self-motivated, but spirit-motivated, and by his might we work to see transformation in the lives of our community. You cannot buy our hearts because we are trading this world for the priceless prize that is in Christ. We are hopeful in a hope-starved world because Jesus has already conquered the world. And we fight. We fight hard for what is true and good and just in our midst. Why? Because Christ first fought for us. Why? Because love always tastes better than hatred. Why? Because time is short and the stakes are high. And we each have our own story. We are the church who see our state as a mission field for the expansion of the gospel. We are the unchurched who are seeking truth and authentic community in a Jesus-focused place. And we are the de-churched who have been broken by religion but have chosen to pursue God for who he is on his terms. So we amplify the grace that will change the world. It's who we are because God is alive. We are ACF Church. Yeah, come on. So good. Hey, welcome to ACF. If you are new today, we just want to thank you for spending this sunny day with us. And we want to welcome everybody who's with us online too. Can we thank them for being part of our extended family? And hey, do, do me a favor if you would, just pull out your phone real quick. And if you're online with us, uh, just hit the share button. Uh, get us on Facebook Live on your phone here and share this. It's just a great way for you to invite friends to be part of what's going on here at ACF from a distance. Uh, for a lot of people, coming into a church is a really stressful thing. And it might be their first step just to watch church online today. And so make sure you use that as an opportunity. Uh, we are in a new series of talks here for four weeks called We Are ACF. And, and this is a conversation about our values and who we are as a church. And so if you are brand new to ACF and this community, this is going to be a really great series for you to get a sense of who we are, what we're about, what our passion is, what our vision is, and, and to kind of feel, figure out, am I, am I meant to be a part of this? Is this my community uh, today? And so I, I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go online and, and watch that message, but we talked last week about one of our major values as a church, which is that we are better together. Life is better together, and we truly believe that, that we are created for community. We're created for relationships and that we're all better off when we are together and that the mission that God has given his church is so great that we were, we're not able to do it alone. We actually need each other so that we can be on mission and accomplish the things that God has for us. And, and we actually can't grow into the people that God wants us to be without community. Like we need relationships with people that we love. We need relationships with people that drive us crazy so that God can change us and grow our hearts. And we need people in our lives. And so we believe that with all of our hearts. This week, we're going to talk about our next value, which is that life is a mission and not a vacation. Life is a mission, not a vacation. Anybody got vacation planned for this summer? Anybody going on vacation? Okay, a few of you guys. Where are you going? Anybody? 
Texas? New York? Boston. I love Boston. Freedom Trail, one of my favorite places to go. Anybody else? The beach. I don't care where it is, just going to the beach. That's good stuff. We got beaches in Alaska. They're a little different than other places, but man, so I love, I love summer in Alaska, but uh, it's too short, and I know that we're always looking forward to vacation. My family, we're hoping to go to the tropical paradise of Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, maybe go visit some family at some point, but you know, it's, it's funny, like we, don't you just feel like, man, you're just, you're raring to go. When, when summer hits in Alaska, you are ready to soak up all the sunshine and all, all the vacation that you can possibly get, and, and here's the thing. Vacation's a good thing. It's good to take space and make uh, for breaks in your life. And, and certainly we see in the rhythms of Jesus' life that he was, he was working and he was resting, right? We see, we see seasons of, of a great deal of ministry. And then he would, he would uh, go away to lonely places and pray and just be with, with his father, right? And so there is something to getting built up and, and taking time away. But, but isn't there a transition that happens in many of our lives where we start to live for vacation, We start to live for the weekends or live for five o'clock, right? Or, or, you know, we get to the weekends, we have Saturday, Sunday, and then there's just not a cup of coffee big enough to prepare us for Monday morning, right? And back into the routine. And and you think about how much time we spend at work, if you're working a full-time job, how much time we spend doing things that sometimes we really just don't want to do. And, you know, that's sort of life, but over time, what happens, I think, is a lot of us lose our vision, and we start living for vacation. So if you want to write this down as we start today, uh, we, fill, we often fill the vacuum of vision with vacation. Oftentimes we fill the vacuum of vision with vacation. When we lack a vision, we're living for the weekends. When we lack a vision, we just want to get away from where we are. And if you're anything like me, when, when life is like that, you get back from vacation and you're just as empty as ever, Right? You need another one. You're just like, can I leave again? And and maybe it's going to fill me back up. And maybe you take another vacation, come back, and you're just as empty as ever. And it's this vicious cycle where you realize over time there's something lacking in my life. And I believe that it is it is vision, and and that we we were meant to have a worthy vision, something worth giving our lives to. And we don't have a vision, we actually end up living for vacation. And then what grows in our lives is something called laziness. Laziness. Anybody else struggle with laziness once in a while? Just admit it. You know, once in a while we just struggle being lazy. We just want to sit on the couch. We just want to play Call of Duty. You know, we just want to watch and binge on some Netflix, you know, or something like that. And, and, and again, it's okay for a season, but we can actually become lazy people when we don't have a vision. And, and the Proverbs speak about laziness. It says this in Proverbs 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And isn't that true? This word sluggard is just another word for, uh, for lazy, right? So you can take that home with you. You can call your siblings sluggards this weekend, you know? Uh, it, it's, a, it's a term for somebody who lacks vision, and when you lack vision for long enough, what you become is lazy. And you start spending your time and energy on things that really don't matter. But what I will tell you is that even though we become lazy, we never lose motivation, what we just lose is motivation towards things that are good. Like your, your 16-year-old son that you're like, he's so lazy. No, he's not. He will stay up all night long to get to the final level of that video game he loves, right? Like for you, maybe you're like, I struggle with laziness, but you will, you will do whatever it takes to get up into the mountains to go hiking or whatever it takes, you know, to, to enjoy this beautiful state that we live in. Like it's not that we lose motivation. We just lose motivation for the things that matter. 
And for many of us, it's a laziness because we aren't willing to do the hard work of finding a worthy vision, something worth giving our lives to. Now, here's the good news. I believe that God has a vision for us like that. And that he gives us dreams and that we are all meant to, to dream of, of why are we here and what, what's the purpose of our lives. And I'll tell, the, tell you this, every one of you, you have a dream of some kind. You have some kind of dream in your life. Uh, I remember uh, years ago when I was 13, I was dreaming of being, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And uh, I picked up a guitar and, and it took me all of like five minutes to want to quit. And, uh, and isn't there sort of a lie that's floating around in our culture that if, it, if it's really hard, you should probably give up and it's probably not made for you? Uh, if it's too much effort, like just go do something else? And I started believing this lie, like, man, it's just, it's too much work. I want to be that guy that just picks it up and he can play, you know, every great song that's out there when he picks it up. And, and I just wasn't that guy and I was struggling with motivation, uh, with music. And, and I had this friend that was a drummer and he was an amazing drummer. And he had, he had this dream that we were going to be like, he's going to play drums, I'm going to play the guitar, we're going to be famous, it's going to be awesome. But I had, to, I had to start by learning how to actually play the guitar. That would, that would help for the dream to happen. And so he knew I was lacking motivation for this dream and lacking a vision. And so one day, like, he's trying to introduce me to some new music. And he comes over and he brought over a cassette tape. Remember cassette tapes? If you're under, like, the age of 20, you can just Google cassette tapes. Uh, he brought over a cassette tape and he put it in my cassette tape player. And this is what he played. So good. Just keep it going. Just soak it up. Soak it up. It's good. All right, that's good. I got to preach at some point. I got to preach. I think I played more of that in each service. Every time we played it, I just want to listen to my... Who knows the song? Anybody? Yeah, shout out. What's the, what's the song? Eruption. Yep, Van Halen. I had never heard it before. And I'm telling you what, this song, this was the moment that I'm like, I got to play guitar, right? I'm going to do whatever it takes to play like that, right? And, and so I started putting in the effort, putting in the time, dealing with the sore fingers and working so hard because I had caught... A vision, right? And isn't it amazing how we can lack the desire to do the things that are even best for us when we lack a vision? And then when we catch it, when we see what we want, we see what we were made to do, all of a sudden we will do whatever it takes to accomplish our dream. So just think for a second, what are your dreams? I mean, at a basic level, what are your dreams? Do you want to graduate college? That's a good dream. Uh, maybe you want to pay off your house or, you know, maybe you want to travel uh, over through the world and visit some different places? Like, like, what are your dreams? And here's the first thing I want to tell you is that you will never accidentally accomplish your dreams. You're never going to wake up tomorrow morning and be like, I don't know what happened. I just paid off the house. I, I, at night somehow, you know, like, I just learned Spanish. Look at that. I know Spanish. It's like the Matrix. Or like we, it doesn't work like that. It takes effort and labor and time and energy and drive to accomplish the things that we know we were made to do. But I would tell you, like, we all need even bigger dreams than that, a, a bigger vision. And, and here's the amazing thing. If you're here today and you're like, Brian, I don't have too many dreams and, and I don't have a great vision for my life. If you are a Christian, 
If you are a believer in Jesus, then there is a, a great dream for your life. There's a great vision for your life that God gives us a vision to be part of what his work is here in this world. And so we as a church, we as a church have a vision. And, and so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a scripture together. Would you stand up with me here today? We're going to read what's called the Lord's Prayer. We haven't read this together in a while. Um, anybody grow up learning the Lord's Prayer in church? Yep, so I'm, we're going to read it in the KJV, King James Version, because that's how I learned it as a kid. And, and I want to tell you, like, in this prayer is a worthy vision. In this prayer is a worthy vision. So let's, let's read it out loud together, can we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. First off, that's just good stuff, right? Um, it's interesting. I grew up reciting that prayer, and it kind of became old news. And, and sort of white noise, but when you return to the truth that's captured within this prayer, you realize this is powerful. And this is really good stuff. And within this prayer is the vision that we have for a church, the dream that we have for ACF. And our dream is for it to be in Alaska as it is in heaven. Simple dream, but with deep implications. And if you're here today and you're like, what does that actually mean for it to be in Alaska as in heaven. Here's what it means. It means one king. It means one kingdom. It means peace between God and man. It means every need supplied, total acceptance, people loving God, and God loving people. Like that, that, is, that is the vision of eternity. And here's what I want you to know is that that's what's coming. That's what's coming to the world. We believe with all of our hearts that Jesus is returning to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And the beautiful thing is that God says, I'm not going to do this alone. I invite you, my people, to participate in my restoration of the world. And so everything that we do as a church, if you see a ministry, if you see something we do, it, it comes underneath this vision. We just want to see it be in Alaska as in heaven, and we want to cast that vision to other people. We want to help other people to see what it would look like for it to be here as it is in heaven. And so this fall when we do Impact Eagle River, which is a, a Sunday morning, we cancel our services. We go out into our city and we're going to serve hundreds of people in our community. And, and every, every year we do this, people are so confused. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome. Every year they try to give us money. Uh, they try to figure like, what are you trying to sell me something? Uh, are you just trying to get me into your church? Like, what's the point? And, and it's just shocking when we say, no, we just are loving you like Christ first loved us. That's it. And the vision that people catch, maybe some of you are here today because somebody else came and served you. They showed up and knocked on your door and they raked your yard and you were like, this is so weird. And then you were like, why would anybody do this? And you start to catch a vision of what God is actually doing through people's lives in our city and you realize God is alive. And he's at work right here in our midst. And that's our vision is everything that we do is that we would serve people like Jesus served us. That we'd love people like he loved us and that we'd amplify the grace that we first received to the world around us. And in that, people will catch a glimpse of heaven. They're gonna catch a vision of eternity. And here's what's cool is it starts in Alaska because that's where we're at, but we have a global vision as well. 
And you can read this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you will be my witnesses locally and in your city and in your state and in your nation and then to the ends of the world when the Holy Spirit comes into you. As my people, you will go. It's just what you will naturally do. And so I want to focus in on a word in this passage, and it's the word witness. Witness. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of witness or witnessing. Um, if you're a church person, your hands start sweating a little bit, and you're like, uh, does that mean I have to go down the street? And like, you know, am I just street witnessing? And I think a lot of people just think of that when they think of witnessing. Or they think of really awkward conversations where, you know, it just, it, it isn't working well. And but the word witness simply means to talk about what you've seen. And so, for instance, let's say there's a crime going on, and you, you see it happen. You see somebody steal a car in the Lowe's parking lot, right? Which could happen in Anchorage, apparently. It's a lot of this going on. So let's say you see a car being stolen in the Lowe's parking lot, and then the police show up, and they're wondering, who are the witnesses, right? And they gather you up, and they, they're going to ask you a few things. What you saw, what you felt, and what you did. And you're just going to tell him, like, here's, okay, I saw him. He had a Slim Jim in the car window, and he yanked up the, you know, the, 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 the lock, and he went in there, hot-wired, and he took off, right? And, and here's how, how I felt. Here's what happened in my own heart. Here's, here's my experience with that, that crime. And then, you know, here's what I did. I called you, called the police, right? That was my response to what I witnessed. And I just want to tell you, as a Christian, it's really as simple as that. And wouldn't it be true that if you witnessed something like that, you saw a crime, that you'd go to work tomorrow and you just tell, you tell your friends like what you saw? It was crazy. Like, I saw this and I saw that and here's what I felt and, and here's what I did. And I just wonder for you, if you're a believer in Jesus and if you believe with all your heart that God is alive and at work today in your life and in the world around you, would it not be true that you would overflow with, with stories and that you would naturally share about what God is doing in your life? You can write this down. When we become Christians, we become witnesses to the work of Jesus. If you are a Christian and you're here today, then you have witnessed the work of God. You have seen him do something in you. you maybe you've seen him transform your family or your marriage or some friends or your parents. And you've seen a work that you've seen God at work around you. And with that comes such opportunity to share that with the world that you encounter when you're a Christian, you are a witness to the work that God is doing. But here's the thing. You can only witness what you're watching for. You're only going to be a witness if you're watching for it. And I just I want to challenge us today as the church. I, oft, I think we often aren't looking for what God is doing. I think we're not placing ourselves in situations where we will see God work. I think we're not stretching ourselves many times and stepping out in faith in such a way that God's either got to come through or I'm going to fall apart. And many of us settle for weak and shallow visions, visions that we can accomplish on our own. And I just want to tell you, if your vision can be accomplished apart from God, you need a bigger vision. You need something greater to aim for, something bigger to live for. So here's what I want you to do. Would you open up to Hebrews chapter 11 in your Bible? Um, if you have a phone, you can download the ACF Church app and follow along on, on there, and all the scriptures will be with us there. We're going to talk about what I really think is the key to, to being a witness, and that's to have real faith. And I just want you to ask yourself today, do I have real faith? Authentic faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the hall of faith in scripture. It's a, it's a list of different people, matriarchs and patriarchs, who have come before us 
in ancient times and have lived lives of great faith. And so this particular passage in chapter 11, verse 24, is about Moses. And Moses was a man of great faith who experienced a lot of things, who was a witness to God at work around him. And it says this in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ's greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So I think if we're going to talk about Moses' faith and, and talk about faith as a church, we, uh, we need to understand what faith is. And good news, uh, verse 1 actually explains that for us. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if you're here today going, do I have real faith? It starts off with, are you convicted and assured in things not seen? And then here's the question, then do you act upon it? Because what you're going to read throughout all of these names, and you can go home later and read all of chapter 11, what you're going to see is all of their faith ended up working out in their lives. Their faith turned to some kind of action. It it turned into some kind of action. True faith results in this confident obedience to what God says. That's, That's what real faith is. So empty faith or an untrue faith is a faith that doesn't act. It's a faith that results in no life change. That's not real faith. Here's what I think we've done is we've turned faith into sort of this psychological ascent. We've turned it into this this thing that that acts only upon our minds without actually changing our hearts. And we think, well, if I can just convince myself that I believe or or, or convince myself that that this is true, then, then I have faith. But it's actually deeper than that. It's actually to act in obedience to God when you don't feel it. That's real faith. It's to to do what God says is best and it's to have a greater vision for your life when you are struggling and when things aren't going well. It's doing what's right even when you're struggling to believe what is right. That is real faith and that's what you see in the lives of all of these people. It's not just some kind of mind game. It's to live out what you're choosing to believe is true. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So you can write this down. By faith, we refuse. By faith, we refuse. This is what Moses did, is he knew that he had to refuse some things if he was going to be a man of great faith. Now, if you know the story of, of Moses, what you know is that it's, it is like a Netflix original. I mean, it's craziness. Um, it's the kind of thing you just would binge watch on the weekends if it's not already like, is it already a Netflix original? It should be. It's crazy stuff. Like this man's born into this time of great political and religious turmoil and, and Pharaoh had, had said that any male son that was born was going to be killed and so his life is at risk the moment he comes into the world but he's got these godly parents who protect him and care for him and then finally he's adopted by this Egyptian princess and it's just crazy how this whole thing works out and this man is brought into this life of, of luxury and of prominence and that's the journey this man is on. He is a recipient of great grace and I think Moses knows it. I think because he knows how his whole life is a gift, I mean, as he grows older, certainly he was told that like, hey dude, you weren't supposed to live but because of God's grace on your life, you are now alive and so he, he lives this life of grace where he realizes that everything he has is a gift. It's the life that we, we should live. 
And because of that, he chooses to refuse certain things that he had coming to him. He, he refuses the position of prominence, the position that he, was, that he had to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, to be given this position apart from his faith, to, to even, and we get this too, sometimes we're born into situation or, or find ourselves in situations that are keeping us from the mission God has for us. And sometimes we might need to deny ourselves and, and, and choose things that other people would never choose so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. And I just want you to know you'll never do it if you don't realize the grace you first received. Moses is a man of great faith. He walks in obedience because he's a man who's received first grace. Now, if you're like me, you might think, well, I don't know how I'm going to refuse these things. Um, I don't know how I would ever have the strength to do this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, here's the key, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This idea of walking by the Spirit is simply just to hear what God says and to do it. I mean, if you're a Christian, do you know that the Spirit of the living God lives inside of you and is speaking to you and guiding your life and illuminating the scriptures to you and wants to work, I believe, miracles through his people so here's this living God that lives inside of his, his people, yet we can choose to resist him. Do you know that? That you can grieve the spirit and resist the spirit and quench the spirit. And, and we can do that. We can resist the life that God wants us to be a part of as we choose to walk for what we want to walk towards instead of what he calls us to. He says, if you walk by the spirit, in other words, if you just hear God move and you follow him, if you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When he says the desires of the flesh, he just means things that are not of God. Things that do not help you to love God better or love your neighbor better. And so he he says that when you begin to submit to the power of the Spirit, you're just going to start to want new things. You're going to want new things. You're going to desire after new things. You'll have a greater vision for your life. Hebrews 11.25, continuing on, he says, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of God of sin. You can write this down, by faith we choose. First Moses knew, I think he knew that he would have to refuse some things if he was going to choose a better vision for his life. There's certain things that get in the way of God's call. And for you today, you probably already right off the top of your head know a couple of those things. There are some things that are handicapping you for the vision that God has for you. So you have to refuse some things if you want to be somebody who is actually a witness in the world, and you're going to have to choose some other things. Now, this, is, this gets hard because I think a lot of people understand, oh, yeah, Christianity is about not doing this and not doing that. I get it, Brian. Like rules, right? More rules. But Christianity is just as much about choosing things. It's about new desires. Do you know that we can live a sinful life based on what we, what we don't choose to do as much as what we choose to do? Like, like we can resist the work of God. And do you know what that's called? That's called rebellion. It's called sin. And when God is, the Spirit is moving and calling us into things and we resist it, that's us not choosing the vision that God has for us. By faith, we know that Moses chose things. We we see this story in his life. He's in his 40s and he sees this, this Hebrew slave being beaten by an Egyptian slave owner. And he just starts to well up 
with this desire to lean in in this situation. And, and I'm sure he knew that this was going to change his life. If he was going to get in on somebody else's fight and protect somebody who couldn't protect themselves, it was going to change his life. And he ends up killing this, this slave owner and then running for his life. It's, again, Netflix original crazy story. So it just, his life is wild because the man just continues to walk out the grace that he first received. And I just want you to know, if you begin to do that, you're going to do some wild things. And your family, they're going to look at you sideways sometimes. And you're going to do things that culturally people are like, we, we don't do that. That's weird, you know? But I just want you to know, like, if you're a Christian, you're going to do some weird stuff. In fact, I'll tell you, if you're not doing some weird stuff, you aren't following Jesus. Jesus was always doing stuff that was culturally just, this is not the norm, and so I think, again, take a look at your life. What vision are you living for? Are you doing kind of strange things, choosing things that don't make sense once in a while? Because when you do, you'll see God come through, your faith will grow, and you'll be a witness to the world. It's what we see in his life. And I love this idea that he says he chose to be mistreated with the people of God. In other words, to separate himself from his position of prominence, align himself with the people of God, knowing that he was going to lose a lot for doing that, choosing that over the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, isn't sin pleasurable for a moment? Can you nod your head with me a little bit so I'm not the only one? Okay, so a few of us believe that sin is sometimes pleasurable. There is pleasure in the moment for sin, but it's the same thing we read earlier in the Proverbs. Sin is the kind of thing that never quenches our thirst. It, it never fills us up. It always leaves us wanting more. And I think Moses knew this. At this point in his life, he knew I would be willing to give up these fleeting pleasures of, of sinful desire for this eternal reward that I can find in serving Jesus and being a, or serving God and being a witness to the, to the world. Verse 26, it says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt which is interesting because he actually had that at his fingertips, right? He actually knew what, what that was like, and yet he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the, than the wealth of the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So first, by faith, we refuse some things if we're gonna be witnesses to the world, and then by faith, we choose some things. Maybe you need to step in on somebody else's situation. Maybe you need to be a defender of the defenseless and care for the people who aren't cared for and then you're going to choose to give up even some things that feel like, like enjoyable for the moment for some kind of eternal things. And then in the end, by faith, we consider. And by consider, what I mean is we're going to choose to believe certain things. And I think what Moses believed is that there was something better coming. And I just want to ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that the kingdom is coming? It's Jesus keeps coming back to this message that the kingdom of God is near repent, believe the good news, align your life with this new mission and this new vision for the world. If we're going to be witnesses to the world, we're going to have to believe something different about where the world's going and about where our lives are going. By faith, we consider, we believe. We have this assurance, this confidence and, and assurance of, of, of the direction the world is going and one commentator talks about Moses in, in his assurance and belief like this. He says, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. Let me say that again. Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. 
Don't you want to do the impossible? Don't you want to see, like, like if you're a Christian here today, don't you want to see God at work around you? Like the hand of God changing lives and transforming our community. Don't you want to be a part of that? If you want to see the impossible, you're going to have to choose the imperishable. Now, now here's what that means. This scripture speaks of reward. And this is an often misunderstood piece of our theology as Christians and, and maybe something you're uncomfortable with. Uh, but as we see in scripture, there is something coming for those who are witnesses, those who are obedient to God. Something for those that, that, that's a reward in, in, in eternity. And so there's actually something coming for us that we are living our lives toward. There's something that we are living our lives towards. Now, the question is, well, what is that reward? Like, you know, is it like a bigger mansion in heaven? You know, like scripture talks about like crowns. Is it like a really nice crown? Because it seems kind of gaudy. I'm not even a crown person. I don't know if I want that. Like, here's the thing. We don't know what the reward exactly is, but Jonathan Edwards says this as he speaks about eternity. He says, every vessel that is cast into this ocean of happiness is full. In other words, in eternity and eternity with God, you will be happy, you will be full and happy with God. Though there are some vessels far larger than others, and there shall be no such thing as envy in heaven, but perfect love shall reign throughout the whole society. Again, we believe that eternity for those who are in Christ will be spent in these glorified bodies on this, in this world, in, in a redeemed and restored world where Jesus reigns as one king in one kingdom. And so there'll be no competition. It's not like, man, he's got a bigger house than me. Like, that's, that's not going to be what it is. But there is some kind of judgment that we as Christians will stand before God and experience. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And listen, this is written to the church so there are two judgments spoken about in, 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 in Scripture. There's the judgment for those who are not in Christ, and there's the judgment for those who are in Christ. And this word judgment seat, the, the Greek word is bima, or bima seat is oftentimes how it's referred to. And think of it like this, it's almost like an award ceremony. So don't think of it like, man, we're going to get, you know, beat up for everything we've done. They're going to, you know, put everything that I did wrong on some kind of big screen TV and I'm going to, you know, feel terrible. Like that's not what this is for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is different. This is like, like a rewards ceremony. Uh, and in fact, they had in this time these, these ancient games called the Isthmian Games. And it was like the Olympics. And at the end of these games, somebody would get a prize or get some kind of award for being a winner in this and, and for working hard. And so there is something believed here by Moses and something that we see in Scripture that we should consider, some kind of reward that's to come for those who are faithful, those whose faith have resulted in a life that, that, that is a witness to the world. And so for us as Christians, we don't only live for some kind of reward. It's not like, man, I'm going to tell my friend about Jesus because I'm going to get something cool in heaven. Like, that's not what we do. But we do know that there is something coming for the obedient, something coming for those who follow God in that way. Revelation 22:12 says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense or my reward with me to repay each one for what he has done. So again, we will stand before God at some point and, and we will share what we did and I don't believe it's a time of shame, but we will get to share, God, this is how I was a witness to the world. 
that I didn't keep what you did in, in my life a secret, but I was willing to be a witness and share it with others and serve others and cast a better vision for a world that needs vision. And can we just agree that in our society, people are lacking a real vision? Can we just agree that in our community, that there, there needs to be something greater that, that we all need to be living for? And I honestly believe that this is the vision that God has for the church, that we would see it first be in Alaska as it is in heaven, and that we'd be living a global mission to the world. And here's the cool opportunity we have this morning, you guys. I have a tank on stage here. Um, we are gonna baptize some people today. I think we've already baptized I think over 10, 12 people so far, and I'd love to see more people get baptized. But here's what baptism is. is um, it's, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of our burial with Christ. When we go into the water, it's like that old v- version of us, that old person is gone. And we come up out of the water, and it's a symbol of our restoration and resurrection with Jesus, that the new has come, and this is now who I am. And here's the thing about baptism. Do you guys know that globally, like, more Christians than ever today are being killed for being baptized. I, like, I just want us to consider for a second right here that, that this is a gift, that we can be publicly baptized. I think as Americans, we don't understand what an amazing gift it is that you can get up here today and you can be a witness to all of us and, and have very little fear of any kind of retaliation and you're not worried that you're going to get killed or your family's going to get killed. You're just maybe just scared, scared of what people might think, scared that somebody's going to judge you and be like, why are they getting baptized? They're still a wreck, you know? If those are the only things keeping you from getting baptized today, let me just encourage you, get baptized. And we want to give this opportunity for you today. If you've never been baptized, or maybe as an infant you were baptized and you didn't make that decision on your own and God has been at work in your life, then we've got a table in the lobby with some people that would love to talk with you and here's the thing, we've got t-shirts and shorts and clothes and hair dryers and, you know, hair, t- no excuses, you guys. Listen, if you didn't come today ready for this, and I'm just springing this on you, I want to ask you to take your first step in being a witness to the world and getting baptized. It's really the, the first call of obedience in the life of a believer is to be baptized because God did something in your heart and we all need to hear about it. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, Brian, I'm not a witness. Honestly, I don't tell anybody about what I believe and I kind of sneak into church and then, you know, go off to my life. Then then let me encourage you to take the first step in being a witness and that's getting baptized and saying, Christ has changed my heart and, and proclaiming to us today what God has done and your gratitude for his work in you. So as we start singing here in a few moments, I want to encourage you, just get up and and go out these doors in the back and go to the table and and get registered for that. And we'd love to baptize you here in just a few moments. So can I pray for us as we continue on today? God, we thank you that you're alive and active and breathing and working in the world today. Father, that your previous to everything that we've gone through, that you're with us in the middle of right where we are today and that you've gone before us into the future and that we know where the world is going. God, we ask for your forgiveness for settling for an unworthy vision, for aligning our lives with things that are not ever gonna fill us up. So God, I pray that we would have this burning desire to see it be in Alaska as it is in heaven 
that we would want others to experience the same grace that you first gave us. So God, I pray that you would pour it out on us new today. I pray for the people here today who have never experienced that, that maybe today could be the first time they've felt peace with their creator and received the free gift of salvation. God, I pray for those who are afraid that you might call to be baptized, God, that they would work past the fear, the fear and, and, and allow their faith to work out in their lives through choosing to be baptized today. We love you, God. I thank you that you're with us. I pray we would be witnesses to a world that is desperate and in need of your grace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.